children. Uh, for Children's Church, they can go ahead and meet uh, their teachers out in the, the foyer, and they'll make sure that they get to class. No food in service today, sorry. For those of you that have not been here over the last several weeks, uh, things got a little interesting around here, but uh, maybe we'll tame it down today, maybe not, I don't know. Um, if you have a Bible, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 10. I feel like um, the Lord has a, a word that he wants to share to us uh, because this is his word to us. Did, did you know that? Um, and so we don't have to question or wonder or doubt or be afraid of anything because we can just know that God is speaking to us. And so l- let me just say, um, I-, I just feel like I need to say this. Um, some of you are asking for direction in your life. You're like, Lord, uh, I need direction in this area or this area or this area. And um, if, you're not, if you're not doing this, he's not gonna give you the next step. You know what I mean? Here's, in other words, we don't need more revelation from God. We just need to do the revelation that he's already given us. Amen. Good preaching. Um, because here's the, here's the thing. We, we hear a message or we read a scripture and God, the Holy Spirit tells us, hey, I want you to put this into practice. And then, uh, you know, we agree with it. Maybe we say amen. Maybe we come to an altar. Maybe we, you know, start making a commitment. But then, you know, we kind of get lazy in that commitment and we walk away from it or we just stop doing it or, you know, we try to do it in our own strength instead of relying on him to help us. And then we're, we're like, Lord, I need, I don't know why my life is in such shambles and I, I need more direction or I, I don't understand why I don't have peace. God will always bring you back to your greatest point of resistance. I loved, as we were praying this morning, the words of Stephen in Acts chapter seven came to me where he looked out at the the Pharisees and he said, will you continue to resist the Holy Spirit? And then they got upset with him and they stoned him. But how many of us as believers continue to resist the Holy Spirit by just simply not doing what he's told us to do? So, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. That, I don't think that has anything to do with Hebrews chapter 10, but it, it might as we, we go. Um, we have been in a study, if you haven't been here, going through the book of Hebrews, and this is actually the 18th part uh, of that series. And we're in Hebrews chapter 10, Uh, verses 26 through 39, and I've entitled this The Superheroes, The Superheroes, and this is really gonna extend over the next several weeks as we kind of look at some of the superheroes in the scripture, and uh, as we've talked about over the last couple weeks, I'll try to bring you up to speed if you haven't been here, but the book of Hebrews is a letter, and this letter was written to Jewish Christians who are also known as Hebrews, and they were those who had put faith in Christ, but they, in putting faith in Christ, had found themselves suffering, being persecuted, uh, having things taken from them. And they were thinking about turning back from following Christ and going back to the old way, the old covenant. And uh, the writer of Hebrews is writing to them, and all through the book of Hebrews, what he's showing them is that the old covenant, the only purpose of it was to point to the new one. 
and that the new one is so far better than the old one that even though that they're suffering, he's trying to encourage them, don't turn back. Don't go back to the old way. The new is so far superior. And then last week, we started in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. What do we do with this information? Now that we know that this covenant is so far superior, how, how do we respond? Because if we don't respond, it doesn't matter how powerful the covenant is. It doesn't matter how powerful the blood of Jesus Christ is. It doesn't matter that God is no longer counting our sins against us if we do not respond to it. I mean, I know when it sounds like God is no longer counting our sins against us that we get off free, but he, he is no longer counting them against us, but only those who repent, who put their faith in what Christ did, who admit to God that they've broken his law, that they needed what Christ did, and put trust in that, those are the only ones that that applies to. We have to do something with what he's offered to us. And so that's where we started last week. He started talking us through this process, and I really don't have time to go back through all of that, but if some of the things I say don't make sense, maybe go back to our podcast and listen to some previous sermons, and maybe it'll, it'll kind of help you. But we're gonna pick up in verse 26. Let's look at, he says this, dear friends. Now, I want you to understand, he's writing to Christians, Okay? He's not writing to sinners. He's writing to people who have put faith in Christ. And he calls them friends. At other times, he calls them brothers and sisters. Friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses, again, comparing to the old covenant, was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those. Now, how can punishment be worse than being put to death? Obviously, he's talking about a second death, an eternal separation from God for those who continue to trample on the Son of God. Now, I know none of us good Christian folk in this room would ever think that we're trampling on the Son of God, who have treated the blood of his covenant, which made us holy as if it were common and unholy who have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said the Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. 
For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. So the first thing he starts with is another warning. And last week I showed you all the warnings that had come through the book of Hebrews. Well, here's another one. He's warning them not to take the grace of God, not to take this superior covenant that covers us. A few weeks ago, we talked about how salvation is like living under that umbrella over there and how God looks not at our behavior anymore. He looks at this umbrella. But don't think that when we live under this umbrella of Christ's forgiveness and when God sees Christ's forgiveness, that underneath that umbrella, we can deliberately, willfully continue to choose to sin. In other words, where we can say, well, I know God's word says that, but I'll get to that tomorrow. Or, well, I don't know that he really means that. When the Holy Spirit reveals to us that something is sin, it is against the character of God. God does not change. So if it's against the character and nature of God, we have to stop deliberately, willfully choosing that behavior. Do not deceive yourselves into thinking that you can live under that umbrella and do whatever you choose. That's what he's warning them. He says that when we do that, when we live under this forgiveness of Christ, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we continue to do purposely what God says not to do, what we're doing is trampling on the Son of God. We're saying, Jesus, your sacrifice means nothing to me. We're treating his blood that makes us holy as if it were common, meaning we're not letting it work in us because the blood doesn't just cover our mistakes, it empowers us to change. And if we think that we should just live under this umbrella and live however we want and do whatever we want, we've not understood the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. This is a strong warning that he's given them. When we do this, we literally insult the Holy Spirit. All throughout the scripture, these warnings are there. Galatians chapter five, you've been called to live in freedom, but do not use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature. If you do, you will die. That's what Paul warns in Galatians. Romans chapter six, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? I mean, if we've truly put faith in Christ, what we've done is died to sin, died to our old life. How can we continue to choose it? If it's dead. First John chapter three. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So you cannot keep on sinning because you are children of God. Now under the law of Moses, there was a punishment for sin. And if we deliberately, willfully continue to choose it underneath that umbrella. Now, please understand me. There's grace that covers our mistakes, our failures. But what I'm talking about is the mindset that says it just doesn't matter how I live. 
where I don't need to take it seriously. I'll just let the Holy Spirit kind of help me along as he sees fit. And we don't diligently study the word. We don't look for accountability. We don't confess our sins one to another. We really don't try to get out of those habits. We're just, you know, whatever will be, will be. That type of attitude doesn't understand salvation at all. Because salvation is a laying down of my life and choosing his. It's a dying to myself and picking up my cross and following after him. And so I don't want us to think that we can fall outside of the umbrella. You know, that I, I, I flew off the handle today and I lost my temper at someone and so now I'm outside the umbrella. No, it's not. But if I fly off the handle every day and I'm doing nothing to change that behavior, I'm not trying to find someone to help me uh, overcome that. I'm not studying the scriptures that talk about anger. Because here's the thing, the Bible doesn't say don't feel angry, it says in your anger don't sin. And so the feeling isn't gonna change until the actions change. And we're, we're thinking, okay, well, I still feel angry, so it's okay if I act angry. No, it's not. The actions change because we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome it. And we cannot deliberately continue to choose what is wrong. If we do, we, we face the, a terrible judgment. Now, he kind of shifts. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on that warning because I feel like we've been warned over and over and over in the book of Hebrews. And so if we haven't heard it yet, I don't know that we're gonna hear it today. But here's, here's what he says. Not only will those people face this judgment, but these people, these people who quit, give up, or turn back. I mean, I, you really have got to stay with me over the next couple weeks and read through all of Hebrews 10, 11, and 12 to get this. Because if you're in a place where you're just weary and you're tired and you're ready to just quit or give up and you hear that you know, God's not going to be pleased with you if you do that, um, that can heap all kinds of guilt and condemnation on you. He's not trying to do that. But what he is trying to do is, is help them understand the seriousness of this. You cannot give up. You cannot quit. And then he's going to draw their mind back and help them remember some things that maybe they've forgotten. Maybe they've forgotten to keep putting into practice. Because these Jews are tired they're weary and it, if you look back he says remember at the beginning look at what they faced they faced suffering they faced public ridicule they were beaten they were thrown in jail they had everything taken from them now would everyone today who has suffered who has been publicly ridiculed who has been beaten thrown in jail for the sake of the gospel and had everything taken from you, please stand. I didn't know that any of us would. Now this doesn't minimize what you and I face. But what I'm trying to say is they've at least had it as rough as we had. Okay, I know that you and I face different types of problems and different types of, of difficulties and trials. But these people at least have had it as rough as we had, okay? And what he says to them is he says, back then you counted it joy. What has changed? Why was it joyful back then? Because you've forgotten something. See, here's what happens. At the beginning, they were experiencing suffering, but they, there was joy because of they knew something better was coming. 
They had their eyes on something better. They had their eyes on Jesus. But when you go a long time in pain or suffering and nothing changes, it does something to us. It wears us down. If we try to live in our own strength. If you go a long time asking God to intervene and nothing seems to change and nothing seems to change. Look back to Joseph in the Old Testament. For years, he, he was a slave. For years, he was in prison, all falsely. And then one day, everything changed. But that stuff wears on us. And the temptation is to turn back. The temptation is to just even become indifferent and just not care as much as we used to. And, you know, and that's how we drift back into deliberately sinning. Because when we stop getting, stop getting uh, white hot pursuing our relationship with Christ, we've just allowed the trials and pains of life to make us indifferent. And we're just, we can't go on anymore. We're just too tired. I'm too tired to read the Bible. I'm too tired to pray. I'm too tired to go to church. I'm too tired to keep doing what's good. We drift because sin is deceitful. And we will slowly drift away from the message. And eventually we will deliberately walk away. And that's why he continues to warn them. Look at what he says. You need patient endurance. Patient endurance. Literally, patient endurance is prolonged obedience in the face of adversity or no change at all. Prolonged obedience in the face of adversity or no change at all. In other words, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, hey, start doing this, and then something bad happens as a result of that, we need patient endurance, prolonged obedience, no matter what. I mean, either this book is true or it's not. And so if we're not gonna put it into practice no matter what happens, then we might as well not put it into practice at all. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Because if we turn back from it, God is not pleased with that. He do, here's the thing. God doesn't want you to be perfect, but he wants you to have faith. He wants you to have confidence that he is working, and when your circumstances don't look like he's working, are you gonna act out on your own behalf, or are you gonna trust him? The, the lion and the lamb, the one who fights our battles for us. God, I don't think your fighting is good enough today, so I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. And that's what we're tempted to do. He's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Patient endurance is what we need. But we, as Christians, sometimes are so surprised by the difficulties that come. And I don't understand why we're surprised because the Bible is so clear that we're gonna be suffering. We're gonna, we're, Paul says in Romans, you enter the kingdom of God through many trials and tribulations. Peter says to the believers in Galatia, he says, I, you know, don't be surprised at the, the trials that are happening to you if something, as if something strange were happening to you. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. But for some reason, we think that when we come to Christ, that everyone's gonna treat us right, that all of our situations are gonna work out right, that every prayer we ever pray is gonna get answered in the timing we want and in the way that we want, and that no sickness or disease is ever gonna come anywhere near us. How in the world can we patiently endure something if we don't face a test? Patient endurance comes from testing. If there's nothing to endure, endurance can't grow. That's what James says in James 1. Consider it joy when you have these trials. Because when your endurance has a chance to grow, you will be fully developed. 
If you never have a problem, if you never have a, someone mistreat you, if you never have a, a moment of, of difficulty in your life, your endurance will never grow and you will never be mature and complete. And I know that we're covered under the umbrella of Christ, but God doesn't want us like that. He wants us to be sons and daughters on display for him. He wants people to look at us and see him. Be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect so that when people see your good deeds, it will bring glory to your Father in heaven. They won't glorify you and say, wow, you must be a real disciplined person. No, it's the power of God at work in my life. And if you and I continue to deliberately sin, continue to do what we wanna do, there's no power of God in that. It's a form of godliness that denies its power. We need patient endurance. Endurance is like a track workout. You know, we, we work out in track season, we practice hard so that when it comes race time, we have the endurance built up to be able to do our best. That's what these problems do. They prepare us, they make us ready to endure. Don't be surprised if God brings you into a situation that literally brings you to a breaking point. Because if you never come to a breaking point in yourself, you will never know the power of God that can work in your life. If you can handle it all on your own, you don't know the power of God. And if we don't choose it, God will lead us into places that will literally break us because he wants his power to be displayed in our weakness so that people glorify him and not us. But this path of perseverance is how we grow. And the writer of Hebrews says, God will not be pleased with us if we turn back. And what he's gonna do at the end of this chapter, he's gonna go into chapter 11, and he's gonna start talking about all of these superheroes. You know, the superheroes. Joseph, Moses, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David. And then he says there's too many to list. There's so many heroes of the gospel. And then you and I look at that list and we're like, man, those people of great faith. He did not give us that list so that you and I could put those people up on a pedestal. He gave us that list to show us that every single one of us is a superhero. Not because of who you are, but because of what lives in you. And he gives us all these people in Hebrews chapter 11. They all have different personalities. They all face different problems. They all had different outcomes. Some of them got what they wanted. Some of them were killed. They were sawn in two. Anybody ever been sawn in two? Yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, some of these faithful ones, you know what they got for all their faithfulness? Cut in half, fed to lions. That's what they got. And what he's trying to show is that all he wants us to do is be faithful to what he's called us to do. So if he says to do something and it gets difficult, you keep obeying. When you understand that God has called you to tithe and, and give the way that he wants you to, and you, you, then all of a sudden you start doing that, and then you face financial problems. Does that mean God hasn't spoken? No, he wants to develop endurance in you. When God tells you to treat your enemies a certain way, and then one of your best friends mistreats you, 
He wants your endurance to grow. And I know that we think that that problem created all of these emotions in us. No, 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 no. They revealed them. And God wants it to grow in us. Because here's what he says. If we shrink back, God is not going to be pleased with us. Why? Because of what he's put inside of us. We do not get rewarded for how well we start this race. Look up how many times in the Bible it says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. One of my favorite races in track is the 400 meters. If you don't know, that's just one time around the track. And it's a sprint, basically. I mean, you're just running as hard as you can. And it's such a gutsy race. I love it. Um, And I love it when people can do it well. If you've never done it, I just encourage you, go to the track this week and just sprint one time all the way around the track. And, uh, and then you'll understand what we're talking about. And some guys go, the first 200 of that thing, man, they're leading the race. But nobody gets a prize for leading it halfway. Who gets the prize? The one who finishes. And what we tell our kids in track is you're not just racing against other people. I mean, I love winning. Our boys, four by eight at Howard Wood this week, we won, and I love winning, and I was sitting beside one of the dads, we're getting ready to take the picture of the boys up there on the, the stand, and I'm like, don't tell anyone, but I love winning. I mean, I do, I just, I love to win. But I, I said, don't worry, I've learned how to lose too and be okay with that, but man, I love winning. And, and so winning is great, but we tell them, sometimes you're not gonna win, but you do better than you did last time. The only person you're racing against is yourself. And if you beat yourself, if you beat what you did last time and you keep working hard, that's, that's gonna teach you stuff for life because most of these kids aren't gonna be in the Olympics. Most of them aren't gonna be professional athletes, but they can learn the type of discipline that's gonna carry them through the difficulties of their marriage, the difficulties in their health, the difficulties of life because there's no prize at the 200 meter mark. The prize is for those who finish and those who finish well. Don't give up. Don't throw away your confidence. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. Don't get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time, we reap a harvest if we do not give up. And we learned back in Hebrews that we have a high priest. This isn't me telling you this. This is the Lord telling us this. And we have a high priest who faced every single thing like you and I face. And he did not sin. He finished it perfectly. And how was he able to endure the cross? For the joy set before him. We're going to talk about that. But over the next couple weeks, I want us to be reminded that we are superheroes. Not because of who we are, but because of what lives inside of us. And so for the next couple weeks, every Sunday, this is the shirt that I'm going to wear to remind us that we're superheroes. Now, if you've ever seen Superman, you know that the power of Superman was not in his suit, right? The power was in him. So why did he put the suit on? To disguise himself? So that other people recognized he was Superman? So why do you and I 
put things on? Why do we clothe ourselves with compassion and forgiveness and kindness? Because, you know, the power, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us helps us put those things on so that it hides our identity. Our identity doesn't matter anymore. It's his identity. We need to display him. And the power of God is in us. Either the power of the resurrection is in us that when we're mistreated, we can love our enemies, we can bless those who curse us, we can pray for those who mistreat us on purpose, or it isn't. It isn't. It either is or it isn't. I believe it is. And I believe the power of God is in us to be different, to live like superheroes. Don't read Hebrews chapter 11 and say that was good for those guys. One of my favorite stories, my favorite heroes in the Bibles is a, a man by the name of Benaiah. Does anyone who know who Benaiah is? He is. He's one of David's mighty men. He killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. It's in the Bible. Look it up. Benaiah. He killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. I don't know how hard it would be to kill a lion anywhere. But in a pit on a snowy day, I would guess it was pretty difficult. But this guy did it. And yet he's no different than you and I. Because you and I have not been, killed to, been called to kill a lion in a pit on a snowy day. We've just been called to treat our wives right. We've just been called to put on kindness and humility. We've just been called to give and to serve. We've just been called to tithe. We've just been called to be obedient to whatever God's put in front of us. And God looks at that obedience in the face of adversity the same way he looks at Benaiah. If all you do is continue to trust him when everything around you is falling apart, he's like, you're my Benaiah. You're a superhero. And the thing is, he's given us the power to do it. And it, the writer of Hebrews gives us four things, four things that we have to do to access this power. The first one, remember there are better things waiting that last forever. Remember there are better things waiting that last forever forever. You know what that means? Loosen your grip on the things of this world. Loosen your grip on the things of this world. Much of our pain and frustration as Christians comes from the fact that we cling too tightly to temporary things. That means not just possessions, that means relationships. That means positions and titles. That means awards or rewards. That even means our own health. It's all temporary. Now, I'm not telling you to stop fighting for healing or stop, you know, trying to right wrongs that have been made in our society. But we, we fight injustice as if you know, if it doesn't happen, that the world is gonna to come to an end. Let me let you know, the world's coming to an end anyway. And injustice is temporary. And so you, we have to fight it from a place where we remember there are better things waiting. Because then we don't have to fight with the gloves off. 
I mean, I've watched Christians try, I mean, this is why we blow up abortion clinics. Are you catching it? Because we don't understand there are better things coming. We think we have to fight because we have to get this done. But this is all temporary, all of it. And most of our pain and suffering just comes from the fact that we won't let go of the temporary. Even our own reputation. It's temporary. We have a God who fights our battles for us. Jesus made himself of no reputation when he came to this earth. And for the joy set before him, there were better things coming. He endured the cross. He didn't want to endure the cross. He said, if it's possible, let this pass for me. I'd rather not. I'd rather be another pathway. However, not what I will, what you want. And every single one of us has to keep putting that in front of ourselves. In 1 John chapter 2, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. The more we cling to the things of this world, and please, when I say things of this world, you've got to think of all the things, not just possessions. All of it. Positions, titles, jobs, everything. Relationships. They're all things of this world. They're all temporary. All of it. And the more we cling to that stuff, the less room we have for the love of the Father in us. We have got to learn to loose that stuff, to let go because the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father. They're from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I mean, think about it. We get so ticked off when someone just takes our place in line. Temporary, temporary, temporary. And so we we pray, oh God, you need to give me a peace. I have so much frustration and anger. And some of it, God's just like, here you go. Just let go. Let go of the things of this world and trust that I am working for your good. Trust me. We could just stop there. We probably should until we get that one. But there's another one. It kind of sounds just like it. Remember our reward. I know that it sounds like there are better things coming, but that's more about loosing the things of this world and remembering everything here is just temporary. This one is to remember that we will be rewarded. And what are you rewarded for? Your perfectness? No, your faithfulness. Not giving up. 1 Corinthians 15, brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. That's not just teaching Sunday school, teaching Awana, being a greeter. I mean, everything we do is for the Lord. Colossians 3 tells us that. Do everything you do as if you do it for the Lord. You don't work for whoever you work for. You work for the Lord. You don't work for a company. You don't work for a business. You don't work for a person. You work for the Lord. 
Everything you do at work should be as unto the Lord. If you're lazy, stop it. If you're stealing, stop it. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. If you're stealing, stop it. Well, I can't. Yes, you can. There's a power in you that can help you stop it. So stop stealing. The problem is we don't want to stop it. Because if I wanted to stop stealing, I'd go to my brother and say, hey, I have a problem stealing, and I need you to help me overcome it. Walk with me in this journey. But we don't want to tell anyone what's going on in our lives. We're okay, because we don't think that sin's ever going to grow up and take anything from us. And it'll destroy us, because sin wants to do that. 2 Corinthians 5, we all have to stand before Christ and be judged. That shouldn't be a scary thought. Because each of us will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in the body. Don't focus on the evil stuff. Just start doing the good. You're going to get rewarded for it. So when you do something right and your boss yells at you, (laughs) double reward. I mean, if you do good and someone praises you on earth, eh, you get rewarded for that too. But if you do good and someone curses you for it, you get double That's why you consider it joy. You remember who your rewarder is. He's our rewarder. You get that? Some of you are looking at me like you don't believe me, but that's true. It's in the Bible. You have to look it up. We don't have time. This one, I I could have read all of Romans chapter 8 and 9, so I didn't. I just put it up there. Remember who we are. I love at the end of this passage because he says, I mean, he says these, these scary things. Remember, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith and I will take no pleasure in the one who turns away. But we are not like them. Who are we? We are the faithful ones who will not turn back. And don't, we can't be like Peter and say, yes, we are the Lord. Even if everyone else turns back, I will not turn back. No, the only reason we won't turn back is because the power of the Spirit in us And so as long as we keep remembering who we are, who we are in Christ, my behavior doesn't change my standing with God. What Christ did for me changes my standing with God. I've been adopted as his child. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives inside of me. I am more than a conqueror through him who died for me. Overwhelming victory is mine. That's what Romans 8 and 9 tell us. Read it. To remember who you are. Walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. That's who we are are and then number four remember what pleases him remember what pleases him what pleases God faith faith He wants you to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And as as we're gonna learn as we go through Hebrews chapter 11, that means we keep obeying even when it looks like it's not working out right. Because we believe he exists and we believe he rewards those who 
earnestly, diligently, sincerely seek him. Killing a lion in a pit on a snowy day does not excite God, unless that's what he's asked you to do. He's not impressed by our great feats of strength and power. He's, ex- he's impressed by those who continue to obey him, even in the face of adversity. By those who refuse to quit. Why do they refuse to quit? Because they know who they are, they know that he re- rewards them, and they remember that something better is coming. They just keep going. And some days, all it is is just barely getting out of bed. Some days, all it is is barely making it through the day, but you just refuse to quit. Later on, he's gonna say, strengthen your feeble hands and your weak knees. Don't quit. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter if you crawl to the finish line. Back in 1992, in Barcelona, in the Olympic Games, a runner, I believe it was in the 400 meter dash, pulled a hamstring in the middle of the race, and he fell. And if you, if you Google it, watch the interview, uh, you find that he, he tells the story of laying on the track and he's telling himself, this is the Olympics. Get up and finish the race. And so he does. He gets up and just, he's hobbling. It's horrible how he's hobbling to finish the race. And as he gets to 100 meters to go, out of the stands comes this man. Security tries to stop him. He runs out on the track. It's his dad. And he helps him to the finish line because he's gonna finish the race. Some days, that's what it looks like. We're just not gonna quit. Why am I not gonna quit? Because I believe he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. And I don't care if I have to hobble, I don't care if I have to crawl, I don't care if I just have to one step, I am not going to quit. And if you're just gonna do it by your own strength, (laughs) good luck. It's the power inside of us. And so we gotta step back and say, Holy Spirit, don't let me quit. I know you exist, don't let me quit. Jesus loved the faith of the centurion that said, hey, you don't even have to come to my house, just say the word. He loved the woman who pushed through the crowd with the, that needed healing from the issue of blood. He loved the woman that came and said, my daughter needs to be healed. And Jesus said, you know, leave me alone. You know, I'm not gonna throw the children's bread to the dogs. And her faith just wouldn't quit. She said, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he says, your faith is great. That's what he loves. He doesn't love the guy that finishes the 400 standing tall and proud. He loves the one that just finishes the race. Because they know he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. I want to encourage you over the next few weeks as we work our way through Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12, we're going to talk about these great men and women of faith. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, he's going to shift it and say, therefore, because we have all of these great men and women of faith as our crowd of witnesses, you run your race that is set before you with endurance. Keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author, the beginner, and the perfecter of our faith. We're under the umbrella. Author and perfecter. Just keep 
running your race. And I want us to keep reading Hebrews 10, 19, all the way through Hebrews 12, 13. Those passages, let's just keep reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it until it really starts to take root in us. Remember, there's something better. Remember, he's our rewarder. Remember who we are. And remember what pleases him. And so, Father, I thank you today for your word that you've given to us. I thank you that it really is a lamp for our feet and it's a light for our path. And Holy Spirit, I I pray that right now across this room, I pray for anyone who's not at peace with you, who's never made that commitment to sacrifice, to, to accept the sacrifice of Christ on their behalf. God, that today they would choose to be at peace with you. They would choose to admit they need your forgiveness. They need the sacrifice of Christ. Father, I pray that by your spirit now, you would bring to our mind those deliberate sins, those areas maybe where we've gotten lazy, where we've turned away from following you, where maybe we've even fully chosen to willfully walk against your word. Holy Spirit, I pray for fresh conviction in our hearts today to confess every sin to you, knowing that you will be faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. May we not be wise in our own eyes today. Father, for those in this room that are discouraged, that are tired, that are weary in doing what is good, Holy Spirit, I ask for strength today to remember there's something better that lies ahead, to be able to loosen our grip on the things of this world. Possessions, positions, money, relationships, all of it is temporary. And for those of us that have lost sight of that, Holy Spirit, remind us in our hearts again. Remind us that you are our rewarder. That it doesn't matter what our reputation, it doesn't matter what, whether our boss notices, our, our spouse notices, our parents notice, our friends notice, our pastor notices, you are the rewarder. And help us not to be weary in doing what is right. Father, help us to remember we are the sons and the daughters of God. That every one of us is a superhero today. Not because of who we are, but because of what lives in us. Who lives in us. And Holy Spirit, help us to remember what pleases you. So that we won't be discouraged when we fall. Because you're, you're pleased not with those who run and never fall. You're pleased with those who get up every time they fall. Put that relentless faith in our hearts today. Because we know we can't do it in our own strength. We need you.
With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not gonna take a long time, but I wanna give you a chance to respond. I believe we need to respond to the word that is shared with us. And so if you're here today and you're not at peace with God because you've never committed your life to Christ or you've committed your life to Christ, but you know you've deliberately walked away and you say, today I wanna make peace with God through what Jesus Christ has done for me, would you just slip up your hand and say, I wanna do that. I wanna make peace with God today through Jesus Christ. If that's you, put up your hand or just put it right back down. Say, Pastor Tom, that's what I wanna do today. I wanna be at peace with God. Is there anyone? For those of you, I'll just assume then that all of us are walking with the Lord. And so if you're here today and maybe I know that all of this is gonna teach us something. I mean, something is gonna resonate in each of our hearts today, but I, wanna, I want us to uh, pray specifically for those of us today that are just, you're weary in doing what is good. Or maybe there's something specifically that the Holy Spirit has put his finger on and said, you need to resurrender this to me. You've kind of gotten lazy or indifferent in this area. And so if you're here and you say, you know, that's me specifically. Would you pray for me today? Because I, the Holy Spirit is saying something specifically to me or I'm just weary today and I need to remember these things and I just wanna admit that to God and I wanna ask for his grace, his help in that. If that's you, would you slip up your hand and say, hey, pray for me. Anyone else? That's me, pray for me. Pray for me. Anyone else? I wanna ask you to stand all across the room with me. I'm gonna pray a prayer and conclude this service. And those of you that raised your hand, uh, I wanna encourage you, our prayer team is gonna be here in the front. And so uh, I wanna encourage you to, to come and find one of them and uh, allow them to pray with you. You don't have to maybe confess whatever sin that is to them, but share what you can and just allow them that opportunity. There's power in confessing it. And so we wanna make that opportunity available to you. So as soon as I uh, conclude in prayer, or even as I'm praying, you can make your way to the front and you can find a member of that team. And so as I close in prayer and get ready for dismissal, I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come and uh, we're gonna close. And then if you wanna uh, find one of them or if you want to uh, be dismissed, we'll let you do that. And so Father, I thank you today for your word that you've given to us. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your work in our lives. Without you, we can do nothing. But with you, there's nothing we cannot do. And so I pray that today the words that you have shared with us would resonate in our hearts. And God, any words that I've shared that are just my opinion would fall off and never be remembered again. Holy Spirit, root us and ground us in the truth of your word and in the love of our Father. And so now, Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine on them, that you would lift up your countenance to them, that you would be gracious to them, and that you would give them peace. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, if you need to find a place of prayer, our altars are always open. If you want to be prayed for, uh, our prayer team is here for you. If you need to be dismissed, just do it quietly. Let this be a place of prayer for those that need to pray. God bless you as you go.